Grace, mercy, and peace be to you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, dear brothers and sisters in Christ, I've told the story before, but I'll tell it again. It was a few years back now. We were family after Christmas gathering in Wisconsin, and the whole family was together. There was something like 30 people packed into my in-law's house. It's always a wonderful reunion to see family from Atlanta, from Washington State, from Oklahoma. But I tell you, one of the greatest things about gathering with my in-laws is the cooking. My mother-in-law, she plans and she cooks these wonderful meals that feed this small army of people that are camping at her house. Somewhere along the line, her kitchen skills were passed on to my brothers and sisters-in-law, with each one knowing how to prepare a delicious meal as well. Well, on this occasion, we were getting ready for the main Christmas family meal. I don't recall exactly what was on the menu, but for whatever reason, I had in my mind that we were going to be eating meat and potatoes. I'm a simple man. I happened to walk into the crowded kitchen, and I noticed a box next to the stove with a word that I had never seen before, quinoa. <laughs> what on earth is quinoa? Where on earth are the mashed potatoes? My sister-in-law looked at me like I was some sort of caveman who crawled out from behind a culinary rock, and she said, it's called quinoa. And that's what we're having instead of potatoes. Try something new. Well, apparently, man does not live on potatoes alone, or at all, at least in this meal. Try something new. Sometimes trying something new isn't out of culinary curiosity, but out of necessity. The book of Deuteronomy, that's the fifth book of Moses. It's where we'll find our sermon text for tonight. But I want to give you a brief overview of what had led up to this point as it's recorded in the Pentateuch. The Pentateuch, or the five books, it's the first five books in the Bible, begins with Genesis, which proclaims the creative work of God at the beginning. The garden where, where man and woman dwelt with God and ate to their satisfaction by eating from the food-bearing trees that the Lord had provided. But it also accounts the fall of man, whereby Adam and Eve did not rely on the word of God, but ate from the tree that was off-limits to them. From that point on, mankind would take food by the sweat of their brow. There would be the impact of sin in their lives and in all of creation, and death entered into God's good creation. And yet, even here, the Lord promises to save and to renew. Already in Genesis, we hear the faithfulness of God to save and to renew his creation that has been soiled with sin. We hear the, first, the faithfulness of God to save, uh, particularly through the descendants of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. And we come to Exodus, book two of the Pentateuch of the Bible, or the book two of the Pentateuch and of the Bible, and it traces the, the family line of Jacob, or more probably uh, uh, readily recognized as Israel, as 
the Israelites come to sojourn in the land of Egypt. And the reason that Israel and his family come to Egypt was because, well, there was famine in the land. They had no food. And in Egypt, Joseph, one of Israel's sons, was, was put in charge of the food pantry. So they came, they were fed, and they stayed in Egypt for generations. Years pass, 400 years pass, actually. And the Egyptians turned the descendants of Israel into their forced labor. And yet God raises up Moses, who leads the Israelites out of this land of slavery. And on the night before they depart, or begin their exodus, the Israelites, they eat a special meal. It's new. It's a meal of necessity. A roasted lamb with bitter herbs. Bread that was baked without leaven because they didn't have time to wait for it to rise. They ate with their sandals on and their cloaks tucked into their belts for the Lord was going to pass over the houses where the blood of the lamb was over the doorposts. And after that happened, well, they needed to be ready to go. It's a dine and dash, so to speak. Moses led them out through the Red Sea, which God caused to part so that they could walk through it as on dry land. And when the Egyptians came following in pursuit, the waters crashed over them and, and drowned the Egyptians. But just as soon as they were saved, the people grumbled against Moses for leading them out into this wilderness with nothing to eat. It's ironic. Their forefathers came to Egypt because there was food there. They ate a meal before they were delivered, and when they set where they were set free, the first thing that they do is grumble because they don't have any food to eat. Well, God hears their grumbling and he feeds them, but not with the stuff that they were used to, not with the garlic and the onions and the leeks and the melons and all the things that they were accustomed to in the land of Egypt. It was new. It was food that was necessary to sustain them. The thing is, they had no idea what to call it. They looked at each other, and, and they, they asked the question, manna? Manna literally means, what is it? I suppose they could have just said, quinoa? What is this stuff? Exodus continues to tell the account of the Israelites coming to Mount Sinai to receive the Ten Commandments from the Lord. It tells how the commandments were quickly broken in their worship of a false god in the form of a golden calf. It tells about their subsequent wanderings in the wilderness until they come to the land that the Lord has promised Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob so many years before. We have the book of Leviticus, which is about the priests and the numbers, which is about the, the census of the people. And then finally, we come to book five, Deuteronomy. What's a Deuteronomy? It's really a compound word, deutero meaning two or second, and nomi meaning law, and that gives you Deuteronomy, the second giving of the law. It's the retelling of the story. 
The book takes place at the end of the wilderness wandering. The people are finally going to go and enter into the land of promise, the land that's flowing with milk and honey. Moses, in his old age, gathers the people together one last time to speak to them God's word. He's told the story before, and he's telling it to them again. That's what's recorded in Deuteronomy in this part of Moses' sermon, which we read this evening. He says, The whole commandment that I command you today you shall be careful to do, that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land that the Lord swore to give to your fathers. And you shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 days in the wilderness, that he might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. And he humbled you and let you hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone. But man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Your clothing did not wear out on you, and your foot did not swell these forty years. Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, the Lord your God disciplines you. So shall you keep the commandments of the Lord your God by walking in his ways and by fearing him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land with brooks of water, of fountains and springs flowing out in the valleys and the hills, a land of wheat and barley, of vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of olive trees and honey, a land which you will eat bread without scarcity and which you will lack nothing land whose stones are iron and out of whose hills you can dig copper and you shall eat and be full and you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. I draw your attention to the fact that eating and drinking come up quite a bit here in these 10 verses. God fed the Israelites God was leading them to a land where food would not be scarce. Water supplies would be abundant. God was fulfilling the promise that he made to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. But I also want to draw your attention to the fact that Moses preaches that man does not live by bread alone. He's reminding them and anyone who reads there is more to life than the things that appeal to the palate or that adorn the body. Man lives, truly lives, by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. Now, since we started this evening with the first five books of the Bible, I think it's good to give a, a brief rundown of the rest of the Old Testament. God is faithful. The Israelites enter into the Promised Land. But they took their focus off of every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord part. They ended up having some good judges to lead them, and, then, uh, uh, and, and through them, God brought their attention back to his word. But then they would lose focus again. Same with the kings who, would follow, who followed the judges. There were periods of hearing and trusting God's words and his promises, but by and large, the kings and the people looked only to their own interests. The prophets were sent by God to speak his word, but they were rejected. After exile and occupation, 
Well, now we finally come into the New Testament. It's no coincidence that the New Testament begins with the Word of God doing something new and necessary for our salvation. Instead of simply being proclaimed like in the past, the Word of God now takes up our flesh. Life comes to dwell in a land of death. Light comes to shine in the place of darkness. Jesus comes for us. It's no coincidence that after Jesus is baptized, he then is led out into the wilderness for 40 days without food. And when those days are up, Satan is there to tempt him. But here's where Jesus is different. When Satan points out to the stones on the ground and goads Jesus to use his divine power for his own needs by turning them into bread to eat, Jesus repeats the words he gave to Moses centuries earlier. Man does not live on bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Jesus is different. Where Israel failed in the wilderness, Jesus doesn't. Where mankind is focused only on the here and now, the temporal comforts and pleasures, Jesus isn't. Where none of us have kept the commandments of God or lived in perfect trust to the Father, Jesus has. That's because he is truly God and man as man was created to be. And the night when Jesus was betrayed, which was on the night of celebrating that Passover meal, he does again something new, something necessary. He takes bread. And after, after blessing it, he breaks it and gives it to his disciples, and he says, take and eat, this is my body. And he took a cup. And when he'd given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Next day, we know it to be Good Friday. Jesus, the Word of God, made flesh, suffered, and he died in our place. The blood of the Lamb was shed so that the wrath of God would pass over us. He was buried and rested in the tomb on the Sabbath. His work of redemption was complete. And on the third day, he rose. Here's the thing. Since that day, the people of God, the family of faith from all nations have been gathering on the third day or, or uh, the Lord's Day, which we know as Sunday. And when the people of God gather in this house or, or houses like it, we are reunited with each other and with the Lord. In this house, we, we gather to give thanks to God for our daily bread, for God richly and abundantly provides us with the things needed for this day, and even more. We come to hear that we don't live by the things of this world alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Here we come to confess our sin, 
and to hear the wonderful news that our sins are forgiven because of Jesus, the Lamb of God who was slain. In this house, we also gather for a meal, a meal unlike the world has known before Jesus, but that the Passover pointed to in anticipation, a meal whereby the Word of God does something necessary for us and for our salvation. We gather to eat and to drink Christ and his forgiveness for us. Take and eat, he says. This is my body. Take and drink, he says. This is my blood for the forgiveness of your sins. It is not manna, though it is from heaven. It is Jesus himself, the very bread of heaven, the bread of life, who feeds our body as well as our souls. So tomorrow, dear brothers and sisters in Christ, or maybe even over Christmas, when the table is set before you and your family and friends are gathered in your house, and whether or not you have mashed potatoes or quinoa, I want, you to, I want to encourage you with a few things. First is this, all good things come from the Lord, and so take a moment and give him thanks. He's taught us to pray, give us, Lord, our daily bread, and he has never stopped providing all that we need for this body and life. Thanks be to God. I want to encourage you also to look beyond your, the immediate gathering uh, at your table and food as well. Because the reality is, if you are in Christ, you are part of a bigger family, and you have a meal that is an everlasting meal. You have Christ, who is both the meal and the host. As Jesus said in John, 9, or John 6, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven, so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. And finally, if, brothers and sisters in Christ, you have an empty seat at the table where a loved one would sit, I want you to hear these words of the Lord and be reminded of the life that those who have died in Christ have and that we who are alive in Christ look forward to. It's from the last book of the Bible, the Revelation of St. John, where he has this vision. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and from the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city. Also on either side of the river, the tree of life, with its twelve kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the trees were for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. Night will be no more. They will need no light of lamp or of sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. It's the final fulfillment of the promise made to Adam and Eve 
to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, through David, finding its fulfillment in Christ Jesus our Lord. All that was necessary for us and for our salvation has already been accomplished. We look forward to all being made new. The family of faith being gathered to eat and to drink together in the fullness of the feast of victory of our God in the presence of our God forever and ever. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Amen. May the peace of God which passes all understanding guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.